Let me let me start by saying, Luke, you you alluded to this, but I think whether you're so obviously all your guests today, we're all Christians and we're going to talk about some spiritual things. But I do think all of us wrestle with these questions about yes. how to interact with each other when we disagree. And I want to make sure if you're listening and you're a trucker, I presume, but you're not a Christian, that I hope there's some stuff we're going to talk about today that you will find helpful, interesting, and if nothing else, you can send it to your Christian friends who are doing a bad job at things and say, hey, do better, uh, which that's always nice to have kind of a gotcha podcast you can send along to Christian friends. Uh, <laughs> hey, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Caution Wide Right. It's just another trucking podcast. Now, the trucking industry has been facing a lot of pain recently. The freight rates and trucking economy is seeing some of the worst times in recent memory. Costs of insurance and vehicle maintenance and more are at an all-time high. We just went through a physical and emotional and mental breakdown as the world faced a pandemic. Fears of uh, political turmoil on whichever side you align yourself with. Fear of, uh, of rules and regulations. Fears of climate change and the EV transition. Or the fear of losing your job uh, with self-driving trucks being tested on the roads today. It is no wonder that in the trucking industry that we face flared tempers at home or at work. Uh, the brokerage, uh, brokering is a 24 hour, seven days a week job and long haul and regional drivers are away from their families for long stretches of time. So today we're gonna talk about how we can disagree about really important things, theology, politics, even moral issues, and still be in relationship and in loving community together. To help me are the authors of the new book, Loving Disagreement, Kathy Kong and Matt Michelados, as well as someone who can help bridge the gap on the trucking world, Ron Frazier, president and CEO of Transport for Christ. Everyone, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Luke. Thank you. Thank you, Luke. So before we uh, get into the book, I'd like to do some quick introductions. So Kathy Kong is a writer, speaker, and yoga teacher based in the north suburbs of Chicago. Kathy, you mentioned in your uh, previous book that you s struggle with credibility in uh, uh, where you describe yourself as a Korean-American married mother of three with no advanced degree, living in the suburbs in the middle of a midlife crisis, wondering how or if my 20 years of vocational ministry can transfer into a different vocation. Really, what I love about your books and blogs uh, is really your openness to discuss your own deep personal experience, uh, which we have in this book as well, no matter how vulnerable the situation is. So thank you, Kathy, for joining us. Matt, uh, Matt Michelados is an author, screenwriter, speaker, and missionary from the Portland, Oregon area, writing books from Night of the Living Dead Christian, My Imaginary Jesus, a fantastic fantasy series, The Sunlit Lands, and so much more. I actually got to know Matt and learn from him through my college years as part of Crew, a Christian college ministry, and even attended a multicultural church that Matt was a part of where he often spoke, especially on important current event issues. Ron Frazier is the president and CEO of TFC Global and hosts weekly at the Trucker's Life podcast on TNC Radio. Trans uh, Transport for Christ was started in 1951 to help truck drivers and build bridges of opportunities to talk to drivers about Jesus Christ. The opportunity to minister to truck drivers expanded with large trucking companies giving chaplains time to present safety meetings at their terminals. In time, up to 42 truck stop locations across Canada and the U.S. had chapels or held worship and Bible study in a driver's lounge. In 2010, TFC launched Exit 58 to raise awareness with drivers to the injustices of human trafficking, and in 2019, changed their name to TFC Global as they expanded their global reach to include a ministry in Paraguay, South America. Wow. <laughs> uh, sorry for the long introduction, but uh, obviously today I'm the one struggling with the, the credibility issues uh, as I grew up in a military uh, background, um, grew up in, in the church. The military chapel was a shared space between all types of religions in the military. Um, I was a part of Campus Crusade for Christ uh, in college, 
And I volunteered with organizations like the Oregon Coalition of Christian Voices, who was committed to seeing biblical justice in Oregon for the vulnerable neighbors. Uh, and today, I'm just going to be a moderator. Uh, we're going to discuss the new book, Loving Disagreement, which you can pre-order online now on Amazon. And everything's going to be down linked in the bio below. And really, how truckers of all backgrounds can learn and grow from the book. So again, welcome, everybody, to the podcast. Thank you so much, Luke. Thank you, Luke. So to get started, Matt and Kathy, uh, can you both explain the importance of this new book? I I know it was almost never going to be written. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, we always have to start there, don't we? Uh, yeah. So uh, how it started was this. Uh, one of our, pub well, one of my publisher is a publisher named NavPress. An editor reached out to me and said, we would love to do a book about civility. Uh, you know, like elections are coming up and they've been fraught. They've been difficult with people really disagreeing on important things and disagreeing in really unkind, unpleasant, unhealthy, sometimes illegal, sometimes, you know, all these different ways. Uh, so including Christians. So could we do a book that would help us be more civil in our disagreements? Uh, and what if this person that you know and love, Kathy Kong, who's this amazing author and thinker and activist, what if Kathy wrote the book with you? And I was like, I don't think Kathy would want to. And I was thinking, I won't even tell Kathy. She's busy. There's other things going on. And then I was talking to our mutual friend, good friend, J.R. Foresteros, who's an author as well. And J.R. was like, why are you answering for Kathy? And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's a good question. So I called Kathy and I'll let her pick it up there. Yeah, so Matt called and I said, well, thank goodness for JR, who talks some sense into you. Yeah. And um, and Matt and I had a great conversation about what this book could and couldn't be. And I told him to his surprise, yeah, I think this is the kind of book I would be interested in writing with him, mainly because and and in all fairness to Matt, he had reason to believe that I would not want to re-enter into the Christian publishing space, having had some experiences um, where I thought, I don't know if I want to do that again. Mm -hmm. And so in all fairness, Matt had a reason to believe that I would say no. Um, but I really appreciated <laughs> JR, who was like, you can't answer for her. She's a grown woman. And um, when Matt and I talked about it, I thought, well, for this type of book and this conversation around disagreement, I would definitely want to write with him about it because I feel like it's so important and because we've all done it so poorly. And Matt and I have learned some lessons along the way. <laughs> Yeah. Honestly, what I love so much about the book is really the, the push and pull that you feel in an argument. And, you know, we've all experienced that push and pull in any argument, but the book uses the push and pull between uh, Matt and Kathy, and we get to see the argument between each other's perspectives. Um, and I really appreciate that. And I'm curious uh, how, you know, sort of the, the format of the book uh, came to be. Uh, part of that was, part of that was Kathy and I both dislike it in a book where you have co-authors and the chapter goes, I, parentheses, Matt, was right. married to my wife. And then you're like, oh, I, I would have figured that out. You know, it just feels weird. It feels awkward. And we, so we were trying to think of ways around that. And then we were talking about, so Kathy and I are really different in our backgrounds, right? Like I'm right. a white man, um, and she is an Asian American woman, Korean American woman, who is a naturalized citizen. Uh, I was born in California. So we just the way we even when we agree on things, we often get to that agreement from different paths, uh, yep. which is really interesting. So one of the things we wanted to do is we thought, what if we traded off writing the chapters? It was really clear who wrote it. And then at the end of each chapter, the other author could either share some of their thoughts, or we could kind of interview each other. And right. we just we just really love each other, too. So I think that is part of the fun of getting to interact with each other as we're writing a book together. 
Um, so that was, we were just trying to come up with a creative way. To, we had originally talked about sidebars maybe, and we event, this is where we eventually, eventually fell talking with our editor, Caitlin. Right. And so the book begins uh, with the discussion around civility, which you brought up, Matt. And it's really the, my natural state is not inclusive, but exclusive. And really, I think in the book you write, but no one, absolutely no one achieves anything in life without some help from others, which is why, Ron, thank you for joining me. Um, whether systems, people, or God, God loves all of us, even the people, especially the people you and I don't love, which is also why bearing the fruit of the Spirit is so hard. Our most basic instincts are often not Christ-like. I'm, I'm just curious, can you walk through the importance of civility? What is it? What isn't it? And why is it so important? Kathy, you want to take that one? Oh, sure. Um, <laughs> well, when, when Matt and I first talked about this book and when the idea was brought to Matt and then to us, we immediately decided that civility was too low of a bar, that um, particularly as Christians who say we want to proclaim the good news, that civility seems like that's the least we should be able to do. Right. Um, and, and yet we seem to have trouble doing that on a daily basis, right? Right. Um, and it's it's not even in the public sphere. I, I would say even in the most private moments in my home, there are times where civility is really hard with my yeah. son who is living at home right now or my husband. Like, hmm, this can be really tricky. And so we decided that we were going to assume the very best of our readers and our fellow believers and say that we would agree that civility is too low of a bar for Christians and that we wanted to look for something within scripture that would give us a framework to call each other into invitation to more conversation about how we behave and how right. we behave with one another, <laughs> right? So not just like my personal sin and frustrations, but how that works out with one another. And, you know, for listeners who are truckers, I think, you know, myself not being a trucker, but what I understand, um, there's, you spend a lot of time on the road. And so relationships are built in different ways. Yeah, And I think that truckers probably had a huge advantage in that for us, who are not communicating via CB, we are entering into the space of kind of virtual relationship through the internet. And, and I think, you know, Christians are not always really good about that either. <laughs> so that's, that's really why we wanted to take it beyond civility. And I'm curious, Ron, uh, for your perspective, um, you know, you you interact with drivers all the time or companies that are dealing with drivers. And I'm just curious about how civility or the lack of it approaches uh, in conversations and disagreements uh, on your end. Well, Luke, I'd say to you, we are a chaplaincy organization and, and we cover, as you share, all of the U.S., Canada, and we're in five countries overseas which includes all of Africa. And our chaplains do what is called a ministry of presence. Now you're talking about a ministry to, for, and on our part, you're talking about a ministry to almost 3.7 million truckers who are on the road. Wow. But in just the US. In just wow. the US. Yeah, wow. amazing. And of those tr truckers, there are, um, you know, m most of them, at some point spend uh, four weeks out of six on the road. So mm -hmm. um, when you talk about civility, uh, they don't even have relationship. They have mm -hmm. uh, isolation, uh, which in turn, as you know, and as the, the country has experienced from the pandemic, um, isolation creates anxiety, depression, Mm -hmm. um, in the trucking industry has the highest divorce rate. It has the highest suicide rate. 
Um, mm. This year alone, we have returned over, I'm going to say since the first of the year, uh, 75 drivers who have died on the highway, uh, some of wow. them from suicide oh. with the average age of 40. So you're talking <laughs> about, you know, civility. When you talk about in the trucking industry, chaplains are trained to be civil. Right. Um, we, we are trained that way. If the truckers are not going to get civility, it's going to come from the the general public who stick their fingers out the window and uh, let the yeah. trucker know they're dissatisfied uh, hmm. with the way that they're handling their rig. Um, oh boy! You know, so you've got civility issues on both sides of the fence. Completely, um, and it, it, it's predominant. You know, the truckers are the lowest in the caste system uh, in this country. And we have done our very best to raise the level of credibility and uh, just the, the view, the way the world looks at the trucking industry. Yeah, I, I just want to say, Ron, thank you for sharing that. And I think it's so interesting, like part of the reason we thought civility was too low a bar uh, in these moments of disagreement and wanting to stay in relationship with people is civility is about politeness, right? Like it's it's uncivil to flip somebody off out a window because what what is the polite way to let someone know, right? In that moment, there probably isn't one. Um, but uh, yeah, when you're coming home after four weeks on the road, if your spouse gives you civility those next two weeks, I mean, great, I guess, but wouldn't you rather have love, kindness, peace, like, wouldn't you rather be targeting those things? And I think that's right. what we wanted to kind of refocus as people are saying, we need to learn to be civil in politics, or civil on the road, uh, or civil at home, we're saying like, man, that is the least, least, least thing that certainly a Christian should be doing. What, what if we could say that if you're not hitting civility, there's problems. Uh, and what if we could set the bar higher of what we're targeting? And so with the book, where do, we, where do we start in bringing people together in situations like this? If there's anger, there's fear, there's hostility that's happening, um, whether it's truckers, that we, we hear that and see that online all the time, or just our personal lives, uh, not in the trucking industry, where do we start? Yes, yeah, so, so for those who are Christians, uh, I just want to explain this so that people who aren't, who are listening, would understand this. Those who are Christians, we we talk about God in different parts, sort of the Trinity, right? You probably heard this: Jesus, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that Christians believe is that the Holy Spirit can interact with us directly. Uh, most most Christians think that, and can empower us to do really difficult things, like you know, loving someone who's hard to love, or in a moment, or in a moment that they're hard to love. So where we kind of start with the book is this idea that if you're a Christian, you have this incredible resource, which is God in your life, helping you to become the person you, you actually desire to be, the person you want to be. Uh, so that's where we start, is we say there's a difference between how you respond in an argument if you are acting just on your own without God. So then you might expect anger and and creating dissension and like fighting really hard with each other, trying to destroy each other and how you might interact in a fight, even about important central core things with God involved. And that if God is involved in your life, there should be different sort of signs of what an argument would look like. So that's where we start the book is to say, listen, if you're a Christian and you have God in your life, then there's a you should look a certain way in an argument, even about really important things that matter to you, to us, to our community. Uh, and let's talk about what those signs are so that I can stop in the middle of an argument and say, hey, does it look like God is involved here or does it look like it's all Matt? Totally. And honestly, I, I like how I mean, you wrap it up in the book, but you talk about how the disciples made mistakes constantly on, you know, the fruit of the spirit and acting in in spirit. It's like while we do this, we do this walk uh, towards kind, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. That we're going to do that 
and make and make mistakes along the way. I'm curious, Matt and Kathy and Ron, when you have conversations, um, when you realize something's not going the right way, or you uh, you yourself are not approaching it the right way, what what tips or tricks do you guys have to sort of like be able to take that step back? Uh, I have learned to um, take a few long pauses <laughs> and take a few breaths. Um, you know, I'm I'm thinking I'm still stuck on some of the statistics, Ron, that you shared. Um, for you know, who I'm going to guess are the vast majority of listeners to this podcast that um, that. That for those of us not in the industry, we do not understand mm. the working conditions and the stresses mm. that mm. truckers face, um, even though we rely on the industry for our most basic needs to get and arrive mm. in the places we need them to be. And then I am thinking about how I have experienced being on the road lately and feeling like everybody has lost their minds, um, the way people are driving or reacting to each other. And, um, and so I think really it is, and it has been one for me when I realize that my reaction is not um, reflecting God's goodness in me, it is to take a few breaths to back off, to reflect, and then also remember um, really common mistakes and disagreement is I should not assign intent on the other person. I cannot assume what they mean, where it's coming from, and to also um, believe in the best of the other person. And honestly, I find that that is the hardest thing for me <laughs> for various reasons. Same in marriage specifically yeah. for me. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, my husband and I have been married for 30 years and he said something this morning and I was like, you finally listened and understood. And he's like, yes, I know. Thank you so much. Um, but so I think those are the types of reactions I am learning and still trying to cultivate in my life, which is when I am in a situation to notice, like I am getting angry, my voice is getting elevated. Um, when I get angry, I also start to cry. Um, my breath gets faster or I'm holding my breath. I'm clenching. So I notice what's going on in my, my body. I take a few breaths. And then I remind myself, calm down. <laughs> and and honestly, this world does not give us a lot of space for that. Right? No. Yeah. Hmm. I, I think for me, Luke, this is a learned experience. Okay. Totally. I'm probably the elder here, uh, age-wise. And I have nine grandchildren. And so the example I would give you is this. If one of my youngest grandchildren is playing with the other and he takes one of his toys, he then the other one begins to cry. And so you make an effort to teach the first child that you should not take the toy from your, your younger brother. He does not understand. Right. Right. So I will give you a brief look at my background. I grew up an only child. My dad left when I was young. I grew up a very angry child and a very angry teenager, and I grew up a very angry husband. And so, uh, but by the grace of God, my wife was able to help me work through that anger process. Now, did I just all of a sudden say, I'm not gonna be angry? No, what, I, what happened was I began to learn that anger wasn't the answer. And so as I began to learn that, I began to learn that I am still human. I have that human nature. And even though I am a believer, um, the only one who could take that anger out of me is God. I couldn't train myself not to be angry. I had right. to be able to train myself to go to God and say, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I need this out of me or something not real good is going to happen. 
And so over the course of time, and it was a course of time, uh, God removed that from me. But see, I can fall back into that as quickly as I came out of it when I begin to think that I can do it on my own court. Yep. And I can't. I have to be able to say, by the power of God, through the Holy Spirit, as we've talked about, only then can I do the work I need to do. So when it comes to the trucking community, I will give you an example. In October of last year, we had a driver walk into a truck stop, and he wanted to leave his dog. And the manager said, I cannot take your dog but he was insistent that the manager take the dog. And when the manager said no, and our chaplain was close by, he said, take him to the chaplain. And, and the driver would not. And so what then happened is he walked out to his truck. Now we've already understood from psychology and from counseling backgrounds that our guys have, that this guy was ready to commit suicide. He mm. was wrapping up his life and putting things in order. And so he went out and he grabbed a bullet and he took the bullet and he put it on the counter in front of the manager. And he said, by the way, I have two of these for you. And he then shot the manager point blank. Whoa. Now, the chaplain has one of two things. He can panic, he can have fear, he can have anger, or he, had, he can learn to manage that crisis situation. And so our chaplains have learned to manage. So all I'm trying to point to here is that much of what we do when it comes to the criticalness of the way we deal with things is a learned experience, but not necessarily in our own power. My, sure. wife, would, my wife would tell you right now, if it was in my own power, uh, we wouldn't have made it 47 years, you know? Uh, but I was an angry guy. And so there had to be a work done in my life that would, uh, you know, help to alleviate and eliminate to the best of the ability, my anger situation. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. You know, it's funny, all three of us, it sounds like are people who respond in these situations with anger, because I am too. Uh, but there are people who respond with fear and like run from a conversation or disconnect from a relationship when things get weird, they're like, oh, I'm just done, and they're gone. Um, for me, what happens is I get furious. So like right now, there's a situation where someone who I consider a friend has kind of betrayed me. Uh, I don't have all the information yet, which Kathy is great about. I've been processing this some with Kathy. Uh, but my initial response is just absolute fury. And it's kind of hurt some people around me in ways that really upset me, Not not my anger. Well, that probably that too, but what this person has done. Um, so I'm like working through that. And the thing that is helpful for me in that situation, one, yeah, noticing it, right? Just being aware of your emotional state is so important, um, whatever you're in the midst of. But the other thing for me is as I'm deciding what I'm going to do about it is that I just, I have learned to study my motivations because my first motivation, usually my Matt, the person motivation is typically how can I destroy this person who I am angry at? In what way can I harm their, not, not for me, it's not their person, but like their reputation, their job, their whatever it is uh, that is kind of intersecting with my life. Um, how can I make sure they never do this again? But when my motivation shifts, which takes time, yeah. to I want to make this relationship better. And that means I need to tell them how I'm feeling. I need to name how they betrayed me or how they hurt me or how our different opinions is affecting me. Um, or if it's like, if there's someone in crisis that's making you angry, which is pretty normal for a lot of us that we are in crisis sometimes when we, we disagree is just wanting the health of that person. Like, how can I help them get to a better place? I'm not always the right person for that, right? But sometimes I can be. And so when my motivation shifts, a lot of times my emotions change some, it doesn't mean anger goes away, 
but it allows me to think about that person differently. Like, wow, they must be in a bad place to do something like that. Or, uh, or you know, when we disagree on politics, it's like, oh, maybe they don't understand my point of view and what I'm going through. I'm sure there's trucking stuff that comes up where, you, at, where every trucker knows here's the right way to vote and no one outside of the trucking industry understands that, right? And you're like, what is wrong with these people? The, the, the thing that is wrong is that we are ignorant, right? In that moment. Right. So if you can move from anger or fear and toward like, how do I help these people understand what is actually happening? That can be really freeing uh, to actually care for that person instead, for me, care for them instead of trying to, you know, destroy them. <laughs> and then, so obviously we come into the, you know, a lot of us, whether it's an evangelical background, a social actions background, uh, however you want to define it, there is this um, want of being able to voice calling out something that's wrong uh, in some way. Uh, I'm curious, you know, I've done a lot of uh, studies recently just on, you know, the background of the Lutheran and, and Calvin. Uh, and, you know, I, I like how in the book you put Protestant is protest Protestant. Oh, I just love that. And I'm just curious. I think this is in the in the chapter where you talk about peace, peacemaking and peacekeepers and the differences between the two. Can you walk through some of that? Sure. Um, yeah. One of the things we talk about, and and this is Jewish, right? The Jewish idea of peace is what they call shalom. You've probably heard that. Jewish people will say shalom to one another, uh, which is a wish for peace on the other. And the idea of shalom is not peace. Sometimes we think of peace as lack of conflict. Uh, you walk into your house after your four weeks gone, no one yells at each other, and you know you all say goodnight and go to bed, and in the morning still no one's yelling. You, that's peace, right? Um, but the Jewish idea is something different. The Jewish idea of peace is that everything is the way it should be, meaning the people who have needs are cared for, the people who should be in charge, like good leaders are actually in charge, that uh, workers are treated well, actually, is a key piece of shalom. In fact, talked about constantly in the scriptures. Uh, how do we take care of the people who are working for us and doing things, whether it's the people harvesting in the fields or the people taking that food to the tables, right? Um, so part of the idea, so so the distinction we make in the book is that peacekeeping versus peacemaking, that peacekeeping is the idea of, I wanna do everything I can to keep there from being conflict. And peacemaking is the idea of, I wanna make everything right and then remove conflict. Because the fact is, a lot of times, to get to a place of true shalom, true peace, does require conflict. And civility can even get in the way of us moving toward what's best for everybody. So if you come home and everyone's not fighting at home, but it's because nobody's talking about the fact that, you know, while I was on the road, I slept with someone I shouldn't have, but we're not going to talk about it, that's not movement toward peace. That right. is, that that's allowing this thing to continue to fester in a relationship. So the way to move toward peace is to actually deal with what's wrong, right? Or um, we, we see this often when there's power differentials between companies and workers. If companies are taking advantage of workers and workers are like, I don't want to cause a problem, I guess I won't say anything. That's not peace in the true sense. That That is just a lack of conflict. And what we need is the person who's going to stand up for the workers and say, this is not right, we need to fix this. Um, so that that's kind of where we go as we talk about peace, uh, this, this very deeply Jewish idea that peace comes from uh, everything being put to rights and, and that we work toward that. That's part of the work of loving disagreement is fixing the things that are broken. And Ron, I do want to hear your perspective on this too, but I... I... I, I, this is a great opportunity to mention, you know, you mentioned workers and companies. And right now, uh, what we just entered into a, uh, uh, the, the UAW, the, the, the vehicle manufacturers and the strike that's going on right now. Um, that can be a relatively healthy conversation that they're having right now. Um, on the flip side, uh, over the summer, I took my kids and, and my wife. We thought it would be a good idea to take them to an LGBTQ uh, local community event, uh, a pride event, and show that even if whether we 
agree or disagree or it doesn't really matter that people are people and we should love on them anyway. But then when we approached, there was uh, a fence line and there were cops and there were people with signs and they were Christians at a church who claim that they were wanting to have discussions, but really they just wanted to yell and argue. Um, and I'm just curious, both sides are thinking that they're doing something in love. And I'm just curious about your guys' perspective on that as well. Um, well, you know, I, I have been involved in various protests in my life and <laughs> Matt laughs because we've talked about how I learned to make a Molotov cocktail at one of those protests, but that's um, exactly why I was laughing. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. I'll give a lesson later, but, okay, great. um, but I will say that, uh, when you enter into spaces where you are protesting an event that is being sponsored by other people, um, that, that to me is a different thing than entering into a protest with other people about something else. So it's hard to explain, but so, you know, I imagine that as you approach this event, your family is there, your children are there, and, you know, you're trying to think, oh, how do I explain this to my yeah. kids, right? And I think that is why I always enter into spaces of protest, asking myself, how is this loving? How is this kind? How have I been patient? And how does this communicate all of those things, but also pushes and presses into the issues that we disagree about? Right. And, and I think in those situations where there are protesters at an event, I sometimes like to ask and engage and say, well, what kind of conversation do you think you're going to have here on this street corner or here carrying this sign? Um, are you in relationship with any of these people here? And usually the answer is no. Yeah. And so I think that is, in that moment, for me, the invitation to say, I am not going to question your belief and your said love for people who disagree with you. But if you're not in relationship with them, I don't know how you have a conversation with them. And right. I think... It for me and Matt, it goes back to this book. Like the reason why we wrote the book was that we are in relationship with people who disagree with us on very key issues, important issues, and some are not as important, but we are still in relationship and we want to stay in relationship. And I feel like that responsibility is on us as Christians who say we have access to this higher power of the Holy Spirit. And so we will stay in conversation and in community with people who differ with us, as opposed to just showing up on a street corner with signs to oppose something that is has been in the works and been planned for months and months and months and sometimes years. If right. you're not in relationship with any of those people, I'm not sure what you're protesting. Right. I'm curious, Ron, we obviously see, I don't know if you follow some of the social channels uh, of the trucking industry, but they can get quite divisive in a lot of different ways. And I'm just curious where you see all of this, whether it's peace, whether it's the, the argument, where this balance uh, comes in on your end that you see. Okay. So I think that's a fair question. Um, the reality of where I sit with all of this, okay? Um, I have a friend who's very much like me in this, but I, I don't deal in ideologies, which means a lot of the people protesting, it's an ideology. And that simply is man's wisdom. And that is very, very faulty. But I deal with the truth that comes solely and absolutely from the word of God, okay? So what I look at the situation like this, and I have neighbors who are lesbian couple, and they are beautiful people, right? 
but the the question that that brings the fine line is um, is this an issue of grace and loving, right? Or am I taking it way beyond that and actually condoning and enabling? And so I I have to be careful, you know, because I want to love them, I want to care for them. Uh, we are chaplains who care for everyone, the Muslims, the the LBGQ community, you know, but we have to, at least from our side, my side, is not enable them. To enable them is sin. I mean, the, the Bible is pretty clear about that. And what's it mean to enable them? That means to embolden them to continue doing what they're doing, to empower their ability to to continue in that sin situation and to make it easier for them to sin. So I'm all about the love. I'm all about the grace. Um, but I also sit at the, the crossroad of uh, the idea that um, there is a place for grace, but in constantly shielding someone from a natural conquest, natural conquest, consequence, sorry about that. Um, that consequence is biblical. It's not mine. It's not an ideology. It's not a philosophy. Or, or even a human mindset, it's a biblical mindset. So do I, by condoning and by, um, you know, allowing them to think that I am okay with them doing that, uh, not at the point of not loving them, loving them, grace, grace is necessary, there's a place for it, uh, but am I allowing them to move into a different level to say he is a believer he condones this he enables this therefore it's all right and that totally goes against the christian mindset of helping them understand uh there is a consequence it's not mine uh it's a biblical consequence and and at that point i'm back to the ideology thing this is not my thinking uh, but it's what the bible clearly states so then we fall back to what do you really believe about the Bible? What do you really think about the truth of the gospel? And what point does it become less of a truth and more of a compromise? And so when I look at situations, I look at it from that perspective. Love them, I have a tremendous amount of grace, work with them, care for them, uh, but I am careful not to go to the fine line of condoning or enabling because then i have crossed that spiritual line and i become as guilty for what's going on as uh, their sin may be so that's where i'm at with it our chaplains deal with it all the time we've got people from all different nationalities and different cultural and ethical backgrounds come into our chapels and more so the trucking companies uh, where we minister and uh, they minister to every one of them. There is no one that they do not care for. And some of that care, as James says, is the physical body care. You know, someone comes and they're destitute for food and you send them away and you say, hey, be warm and go. Um, you know, our works and our faith don't match, okay? Um, so we deal with that all the time, but we, we're careful to walk that fine line. I think. Ron, thanks for sharing that. This is so interesting because this is one of these topics that the Christian church is actually in a fight about right now, right. different parts of the Christian church, right? So I'm guessing with the four of us that our exact position on what scripture says or uh, how Christians should interact with the LGBTQ community or, you know, it actually overlaps too, right? There are Christians that are in both communities, um, that there would be disagreement on a variety of really important topics. And in addition, if we laid out those different points of view, I'm guessing that we would find each other's points of view potentially harmful to other people one way or another, which is really fascinating. So it's this right. thorny, difficult question. And we're seeing places like the United Methodist Church right now is in the midst of breaking apart. Uh, the Nazarene church right now is in the midst yep. of breaking apart over this issue. 
as people disagree and say we can't be in community with each other because we disagree about what God says about sex or orientation or gender, uh, that's enough for us to say we can't be in relationship anymore. Um, and also it's complicated, right? Because we do think the other point of view is doing harm to certain people uh, or doing harm to the Christian community or the LGBT community or both. Um, so what's really fascinating is, so say Ron and I are on opposite sides of this question, right? Um, at the same time, Ron and I can come together and I can say, Ron, everything that you are doing in your organization is so amazing. Like I'm really moved by it actually. I love the idea that truckers who are in crisis or not can find a chaplain waiting for them to help them through thorny issues. That's amazing. And I wanna support that and be a part of that. Um, yeah, so I, and I think that's what, that's the kind of thing, not, we don't actually go into this topic much in the book, right. but that's the kind of thing we're talking about. What do you do when you have these really important, really deep, really personal uh, disagreements about things that are, yeah, core in some way to what you believe? How can you disagree about those things and still say Ron and Kathy and Matt and Luke, we also agree on an enormous amount of things. And right. what if we can show patience to each other? Because somebody's wrong, right? So can we show patience to each other as we're growing and learning and discovering things? I, I hope so. I, I think that's what the Holy Spirit invites us to. Um, all that to say, yeah. uh, I think it's a fascinating topic um, as far as the the idea that we could, can we disagree on something that's important and still continue to be in a rela loving relationship as we disagree. Anything else, Kathy, before I move on? I'm just, okay. I, I am curious. I, I could do a whole podcast and this, this isn't a, a, probably the best podcast to do it. You about. don't think it would be a, you don't think it'd be a trucker podcast to talk about uh, the theological talking about differences. The the Christian church, uh, the American church and how it's broken and things like that. Oh my gosh. I could talk about that forever. You can talk about that forever. Um, what I do want to transition to, cause there's, there's a couple of things that was addressed in, in there. Um, you know, the background with, uh, white supremacy and the, the background with so many pieces here in the church, you know, it's, I mean, even the perspective of, you know, we, we see, or at least uh, day to day, we see the American church culture, but we live in a global church perspective or should live in a global church perspective and there's so many different types of of beliefs and ideas and things within the church itself so i mean that's a whole separate topic as we wrap up i do have a question around the mental health side of things so uh, i know kathy you mentioned um, very openly about sort of the anxiety and depression and things that you face and i see it in my household uh, you know, it uh, all the time, and there's ways to, I don't know, one, not let it define you, but also find grace within it, and all of this piece, pieces to it. Can you, can you talk a little bit about the mental health issues, and, and the way you approach some of, the, how, how you approach that? Sure. Um, so, just to be clear, I'm not a mental health professional. I don't yes. have any, you know, uh, training in that, but I have written very openly in this book and in other spaces around, like you said, around my depression and mental health. Um, and one of those things is within the church, um, there continues to be a lot of stigma around mental health. And um, the message I got growing up was if you can pray it away, you know, um, there's something wrong with your faith that allows this to continue. And I am not saying that there isn't power in prayer, but I am also saying that we are fully embodied people and that our brains and brain chemistry is a very real thing. And so for some of us, it is trying to find um, medical help, professional help, and addressing that in a way that breaks down some of the ideology and theology that we were raised with. 
And it continues for me. Um, I did not grow up in a home that felt like you could go talk to a therapist and take medication. And even in my marriage, when I first realized that my mental health was really suffering and wanted to talk um, and wanted to seek out medication, my husband was very concerned about that. And then I said, I'm going to write about that. And he was very concerned about how that would be received. <laughs> right? You mean like write publicly about it, Kathy? Right. To share yeah. um, with readers, uh, that journey. And, um, and so I would say this, um, sharing public publicly is not required of anyone or everyone. Um, but for me, I felt like that was part of the journey and an invitation to people who had followed my writing to say that I grew up feeling like I wasn't doing my faith correctly. And that's why I was struggling with my mental health. And it was the gift of a health provider, a primary care physician, who also was a Christian who just said, oh, Kathy, your brain chemistry needs help to get fixed. And yes, we can pray about that, and I can send you to a counselor, a therapist, um, uh, but there are medications that will help your brain function the way it needs to so that you are not blaming yourself for this. And so that is um, that has been and continues to be uh, my invitation into spaces that say, oh, no, 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 you can pray this away, is to say... Well, um, I tried that. I tried that for almost 40 years. And um, I have found that it has been the prayer and community and medication and therapy. Holy. I mean, there's like my family background has some ocd tendencies where the prayer becomes a chant or a like a, it it's almost more painful that they have to go through that and then that gets worse and builds and uh and but that's not defining you that's not um you know who you are and and i think part of it is like you said i like to i th- like to think of therapy and things like that as as a relationship in general don't don't struggle through that alone. And I'm curious, Ron, this is where you come in as well. Um, where do you see, how do you handle sort of the, the mental uh, depression, anxiety issues with the chaplains in, in your organization? Okay, so you, you're touching on something that is so relevant to us. First mm-hmm. of all, I am a mental health instructor. So mm-hmm. part of what I do and part of what we teach our chaplains you know, most of our drivers experience PTSD, um, post-traumatic stress disorder. Wow. And so they deal with that on a regular basis. And that's that's the foundational aspect of suicide for them. Uh, that's why some go that route. Uh, we need to understand that things like Kathy is talking about, they're real. I have family members who are in the same position. And the reality of all this is they don't always they can't be prayed away. There is a balance. I mean, I won't say they can't. They can be. God can do whatever he chooses. Um, but it is a physical disorder. And so there is a balance between prayer. There is a balance between medication, uh, which is true for our PTSD guys. Um, and there is a balance of, and you used a very good term, a term community. Um, people coming alongside people. And so what we do is try to recognize the signs and symptoms of PTSD or anxiety or depression and be able to channel that uh, to one of our counselors or to refer them uh, to a counselor that specializes in that area of need. We don't send them to the word. We will tell them we will pray for you. We tell them that God can take that away. Uh, But the reality is they also need that outside help. Hmm. And so our approach to this is uh, to pray for them, pray with them, and to provide referrals or to get them to one of our counselors uh, where they can get the help they need. Because now not only do you have 3.7 million drivers on the road in a case of strong isolation, but you also have drivers who are suffering from mental health disorders who are going to end it because they can't live with it uh, anymore. 
and they need more than just uh, one type of avenue. But mm. prayer can change the world. Don't get me wrong. I mm. believe God can heal, uh, but they also need that that medical assistance. So wise. Really appreciate that. I have nothing to add. These two are far better experts than me. I, I'm like I, all the best to everyone experiencing those things, and hope you find help. Yeah. And I think this is a good place to slowly wrap us up. I'm curious for each of you, um, I don't know, clothing, closing thoughts that you might have. There was a lot we didn't touch in the book. Um, I mean, again, it was the, the spirit, fruit of the spirit, really, love, patience, kindness, and so many layers of, of that definition. Um, I, know the, I know in the book, you know, our responsibility is to love all people, even those we disagree with, um, but yeah, closing thoughts that, that you guys have. I'm just still, um, Ron, really thankful for the ministry that you have and mm. we'll be thinking a lot um, and praying for um, the truckers and the industry um, and, and the ways in which uh, I see them on the road, but I don't necessarily see them. And, uh, and how that, uh, that is an invitation in this conversation for me. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I would just say one of the core beliefs of Christianity is that God made human beings and designed us to be in relationship with God and one another. And that whoever you are, regardless of your politics, your social status, your marital status, your race, your ethnicity, your gender, your sexual orientation, your the things you've done, the things you're thinking about doing, the terrible things or the good things, that God loves you really deeply and desires you to be healthy and in relationship with God. And, and that if you have a voice in your head telling you something else, uh, that you're unworthy, that there's nothing that can be done, like those sorts of thoughts, that God would say the opposite. And, and we would say the opposite. We want you to be healthy and well and in relationship with God and each other, healthy relationship. Um, so, and that's kind of the core of our book too. If we disagree with each yep. other, that's one thing. But when we recognize the worth that each person has, it makes the value in staying relationship higher. So, yes. yeah. I think for me, Luke, the way I'd wrap this up is this, you know, when, and we, we talked about, and it is a whole different topic for a whole different time. The church is, you know, the church is not a build, church is not a building. It's not a denomination. There are no denominations in scripture. Right. The church is the universal body of Christ. So when we talk about this, you know, we need to give freedom. We need to give others freedom to make their own choices. Hmm. But we also must allow them to reap the consequences of those choices. You know, that's what the Bible talks about. And we need to be careful because we often enable the sin of others because of false sense of compassion, because we want to be needed. So my question, you know, that I share or would share with people is, why are you being compassionate? Is it because of their need or because of your need? And you have to look at that when you, you know, you, you give that grace position within a situation. So my point is this, I, I think we all can agree to disagree on a lot of things. I, I think my solid foundational point is I stay away from ideologies because the, the failure of that, that's man's wisdom. And I lead to the truth of God. If we stand on the truth of God, we will never go wrong. And God is a God of love. He loves everyone, uh, but he still is a righteous God. So we have both aspects of this coming into play. The very thing that we have been talking about, we have both aspects of aspects of that modeled by Jesus Christ coming into play. 
Well, there you have it. Thank you, all of you, for joining me. Obviously, you can go find uh, the book uh, with Matt and Kathy. Um, hey, we did record an audio book, Kathy and I. It's our voices reading our chapters and our conversation together. And I know it's much easier to read an audio book than a physical book when you're driving. So yes. let us uh, ride along with you if you like. Uh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Luke. Right. And you can find that information online. I know Amazon's one place. It's it, The book's not out yet. It's coming out soon. So, um, you know, get in line and, and uh, thank you guys for having allowing me to have this conversation. Uh, I'm, I couldn't do this ever myself, but having you guys here to help me bring it to the audience, uh, I appreciate it. I thank you guys for being here. All information is going to be linked down in the bio below. And uh, we're just happy to uh, have this conversation. So thank you guys again. Um, and as always, stay safe out there.